Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast Season 7. The haters said it could not be done, but it is David, Matt and Alan back once again to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly of Scottish rugby with you every step of the way this season. Matt, when we started the pod uh, in 2016 um, in our kitchen of our flat, did you think Jay-Z would ultimately be a investor in the Pro 12? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think we're all waiting for, for Fat Joe to come in and, and ruin behind the URC. So it's, you know, it's he- heady days for that league, heady days for us as well. Alan, did you think when we did our first episode that Beyonce would be cited at Rodney Parade? <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, I, I thought the high point was going to be when we um, went past Hugh Southwell um, for a number of Twitter followers. I remember we That's got true, to, yeah. I remember we got to 350 and I think we had like a, a beer to celebrate. So no, it's been, it's been a long journey. Unlucky Hugo. Yeah, it has, and it's been great. And thank you all for listening over the years um, and following us on Twitter. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod um, on Instagram, Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod. And a relatively new innovation, our newsletter over on Substack. That's Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We're going to be cranking that back out again every Monday in the regular season, um, which just sort of pulls together all of the news and views and drops it into your inbox. No one replied to my, my suggestion about an OnlyFans page. Yeah, I think, well, I did see the revenue numbers. They are making an awful lot of money. So why don't you get in touch on Twitter if we should be opening up an OnlyFans? Because um, I'm not entirely sure what we could put on there. But yeah, what, you th- what are you thinking of? What, what sort of content are you thinking of? Sort of like breaking Scottish rugby opinion. Yeah, the hottest takes, the ones that are too hot. You yeah. Put them behind the paywall. <laughs> 
I, I, re- I, yeah, I think people come here for the hot takes. You know, it'd be a shame to have to put a, put a paywall in the way, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and we will be getting on to plenty of hot takes today. Hopefully we are using this because Matt is going off on holiday uh, next week. We're using this as our URC uh, preview pods. We'll be getting right into the state of the nation of both Edinburgh and Glasgow. Of course, that will naturally lead into a little bit of chat about the impact on the Scottish team. And then we'll have a little bit of a chat about the women's team who've got a game against Spain this weekend and they are only a few weeks out from the Rugby World Cup. So plenty going on as ever. Um, Matt, as you know, we are a biased um, podcast. Which side of the MA would you like to start with today, Edinburgh or Glasgow? Uh, let's start with Glasgow. Start with Glasgow. Let's go with the away, away fixture for us naturally. We are going to have a look at their ins and outs in terms of transfers. Um, talk about that sort of opening period for them and what does good look like for both of the sides. I suppose setting the scene a little bit, Glasgow had a fairly dismal end to last season with that, what was it, 70 points that they shipped to Leinster um, in the knockouts towards the tail end. That led to the downfall of Danny Wilson and the eventual arrival of Franco Smith, probably only about three months ago. So why don't we start there on the coaching ticket? Alan, I'll come to you. Franco Smith in. Um, what did you make of the appointment? And he's done a few interviews now. What, what do you do? You like the cut of his jib so far? I, I wouldn't say it was the, the most exciting coaching signing um, we've ever had. I think when you sort of look back to when we sort of bring in Dave Rennie, for example, it definitely um, brought a lot more sort of enthusiasm with it. But at the same time, I think it's just sort of timing-wise, it's a year out of a World Cup and with Danny Wilson seemingly being sort of let go, you know, I, I, I think if they had, hadn't had lost 70 points, I think Danny Wilson's still in that job right now, right? So it wasn't like it was a plan, not like they'd done sort of the, the groundwork in terms of kind of sounding out potential, um, potential coaches. So... What it's... do you think the sacking threshold was? 50? <laughs> yeah, it's an, interest, it's an interesting point. I mean, I guess, do, do you agree with the fact that if they'd been within 30 or 40, you know, Danny, he, he's staying this season? I think so. so <laughs> I think 60. I think, if you, I think if you keep it under 60... Yeah, there's um... something about 70 that's just... It never happens. There was, yeah. the na- there was there's something to say about the obviously no 70 point loss is good but like the nature of that 70 in particular was really really bad yeah definitely at the end of that match i had sort of like echoes of you know when there's just that school team that's just getting pummeled and everyone's lost enthusiasm even the, the refs feeling bad yeah like, you're asking the ref to chop, chop five minutes off the end you're like come on I have to, I have personally done that before as captain, <laughs> and it was rejected, which was a tough tough gig. Um, although that was in the hundreds. It's <laughs> going back to sort of the the question on on Franco. Obviously, he's come he's come in, and I think a lot of kind of the general sort of narrative is you know he's a straight talker. He's he's going to get them sort of working hard. Um, you know, doing the basics well. It's got sort of slight. Um, mirroring of a, a bit of cockerel about it, if mm. I'm honest. Like the fact he's like coming in and he's like, "Oh, I'm, I want them to be in at seven a.m. We're going to start training at seven a.m." It just seems a little bit old school, and I don't know. I wonder whether, from a, a men- mentality standpoint, it might have a s- similar to sort of cockerel that kind of initial 
either sort of year or even just kind of first couple of matches, kind of that initial um, impact. But I just wonder what the um, long-term um, impact that that sort of um, approach can have these days. Yeah, a a absolutely. And they, they have been relatively busy in the, um, in the transfer market. An awful lot of this started um, under Danny Wilson um, with players in uh, JP Dupree uh, from Sale Sharks, Sione Venali from uh, Worcester, Gregor Brown, and oh, sorry, clutch of people promoted from the academy as well. Hugh Jones returning home from Harlequins, um, Sintu Manjezi from the Bulls, Alan Dell joining from London Irish, and then they've got a couple of short-term deals as well. Um, Matt, what have you made of that Glasgow business, and what do you think it sort of... Um, what do you think the state of that squad is going into this new URC season? Well, I suppose, firstly, it's quite strange that all these signings were made before Franco Smith came really in. Really odd. And which which seems... tells you that basically they weren't going into that Leinster game looking to sack Danny Wilson. Yeah. Um, and then it seems so far that I think Franco Smith might have mentioned a couple more signings, but... I think the only ones that have come in are Hodgson and Sordoni on these short-term deals, which I'm pretty non-fussed about. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a bit of a strange one, whether those guys even fit into his system or plans at all. Um, I think Hugh Jones is obviously the standout signing, um, and I'm sure he will. You know how good he is when he's on top of his game. Um, yeah. Not convinced that Glasgow need another centre back three. Um, and one that you know now that he's moved back to Scotland is probably going to be away on international duty but it's at least a bit of a statement from them um, and I think the, the other guys they've got in the pack might strengthen things a little bit but they're still not quite what we're looking, looking for like it, I think you look back to when Rennie brought in like Cam Gibbons for instance um, and you never know maybe Manjizi Dupree might sort of replicate that sort of signing but no, I agree. I agree on the forwards. I think when you, you, I think when you look at how potentially in some of the bigger matches that forward pack struggled, I, I think I expected maybe one or two signings, especially around sort of the, the back row, just to kind of bolster that team around sort of ball carrying. And it, I, I agree with you on sort of the Hugh Jones point. It's obviously a bit of a high profile signing, but actually in terms of what Glasgow needs. He, he didn't quite feel like the the right sort of player and especially now that it'd be interesting to see with Kyle Stain coming in at captain it'd be interesting to see whether they see Stain playing sort of 13 or whether they're going to keep him out on the wing as captain because I guess if he if they do sort of bring him into 13 then it, you would think sort of Jones will then sort of shift back out to 15. Yeah, it does seem like a strange one, but always good to have Hugh Jones back in there. Um, few notable players out that have been around, but I think we can probably all agree there's nothing huge um, huge here. And uh, Kieran McDonald's gone down to Wasps. Rob Harley's gone to Carcassonne. Um, Hamish Bain to the Jersey Reds. Grant Stewart across the Connet. Robbie McCallum down to London Scottish. Um, and then Ratu Tegivi, um and Robbie Ferguson were both just released i mean 
it felt like Glasgow absolutely needed a little bit of a turnover and perhaps, you know, people like Rob Harley or sort of um, who are club legends, sort of 200 plus caps um, for the club. There was a moment for them to go, you know, I guess, Matt, the question is, could they have done more? Is there still some people within that sort of um, Glasgow squad that you think are perhaps there um, out of emotion rather than um, merit? I, I think so. Um I don't want to name names, it's been harsh, but like I think maybe the 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 caliber of signings that Glasgow were able to bring in this year just shows that maybe the, the transfer market's a bit difficult at the moment in the lead up to a World Cup. And also that Glasgow's just not that attractive a place to go as as it used to be under under Dave Rennie when when Hogg, when Russell were there. So even though it's, it feels strange in a way, like you look at that player's outlist and you think in previous seasons you've lost Hogg, Russell, Hastings, Johnny Gray, and you kind of think, oh, that's not too bad this year. It's just that the the incomers, I don't know if they're adding that much quality. They add, maybe add a little bit of depth, but they're, they're sort of, you know, quite a few sort of premiership rejects. And I, I get that the premiership's sort of readjusting its salary cap, et cetera, but... Um, yeah, it's a little bit underwhelming. I think there's a there's a big piece around that on on depth, and I think when you we get into some of the players leaving to go to Scotland, especially in the pack, I I'm just not sure whether players like Richie Gray, even people like Fraser Brown, even are going to be having enough to be able to sort of lift that that team with some of the sort of younger players involved. And yeah, a bit worried about Glasgow this year. I think I it, I wonder if um, if Franco Smith can't get that team sort of working together. I'm just worried that they've just not got the pack to sort of really compete up front. And then in the backs, I guess we just really need to see sort of, I guess, Ross Thompson again kick on a little bit. It feels like he's probably stalled a little bit at the back end of last year, you know, after sort of coming on the coming on the scene and sort of performing sort of above what we expected. I think he that sort of development of, of his game is sort of pretty, pretty critical to um how Glasgow can will perform. So, yeah, that was going to be my next question, I suppose, around key players. We've obviously focused on the incomings and the outcomings, but there are, there was quite a big clutch of young, talented Scots coming through that Glasgow team last year, Matt, sort of led by your Rory Darges. Um, what do you think we can see from, from them this year? And I think, sidebar, in a year, Rory Darge has gone from basically not getting a sniff at Edinburgh to being like the poster boy at Glasgow. He's like fronting up all of their preseason media and stuff like that as well, which narrative wise, which we love, is is fairly un, unmatched. It's 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 a huge uh, rise up um, the sort of Scottish rugby fame charts. The old Scottish rugby fame charts. Yeah, I was really but struggling with pretty, that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty small, pretty small table. Well, um, it was top three at Glasgow. Well, top three, three most top three fame. Price number Price, one now. Hugh, Hugh Jones. Yeah, Hugh Jones. Richie I mean, I the, wouldn't, put, I wouldn't have put Darge in the top three. Who, who's coming in three though? I, I, Richie Gray. Rich, oh, Rich, Richie's just got so much old Brand. school. Like, yeah, my my mum still knows who Richie Gray is. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't know who Rory Darge is. Um, yeah, Darge give, him an, still, give him another year. Darge still looking like a serial killer in all of his press photos. <laughs> Something dead behind the eyes. He is crazy behind the eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that all those young guys have done a pretty good job. Um, it's just been those older guys. So 
who haven't played that well. So maybe it's a bit of a transition year for Glasgow. I mean, I still think I was just quickly like um, laying out a quick team sheet for Glasgow. And I still think if everyone's fit, you know, an eight of Batty, Arkebel, Turner, Fagerson, Cummings, Greer, Dupree, Darge, Fagerson, Dempsey. I still think that's that's good enough to get you in that top eight. Um, and yep. I think there's enough attacking talent in the backs with, you know, Jones, Johnson, Mackay, Cancelier, um, Stain, McLean. Like, I don't know, you look at it, it's not, it's not too bad. I know depth's a big issue, maybe, but I still think there's, you know, the core of a squad, which at the start... I don't of, mind that starting for Yeah, and, and start of last season, actually, they were growing great guns in the, in the top four. So maybe there's a little bit more potential there than we, yeah. we give them credit for. Alan, are you going to apologise to Glasgow for saying they don't have any chances now that you've heard the starting 15? No, because I can see the second 15. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the big issue, is once you lose the Scotland players, or look, ultimately we, people like Fagus and Darge and, and Dempsey, they're all likely going to be injured at some point during well, the Dempsey's season. Dempsey's also likely to be a Scotland player. Well, yeah, exactly. Is, is it is it the autumn he's available? It's the Australia Test match. Oh, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, oh, that'd be so so interesting. So uh, much narrative around that. Yeah, I think that's that's where the worry is. I, I could very legitimately see them going on a an early run of wins, especially because I think you were saying we we're discussing before the pod that they've probably got a slightly better opening run in than um, than Edinburgh. But then I think ultimately as we get sort of further into the season and depth becomes an increasing issue. That's where yeah. I think, similar to last year, Glasgow will, will start to struggle. Yeah, I mean, they, they Glasgow kick off their campaign away to Benetton, which has ne- never been a happy hunting ground for Scottish clubs, but you always hope that they're going to get something there. Then it's Cardiff at home, Ospreys away. So that opening three, if Glasgow are going to be doing anything, you've got to be thinking they're, they're winning those. Um then it's sort of they've got the bulls and the sharks. They go on a little bit of a South African sojourn, which it's the sort of second full year with the South African team. It's going to be interesting to see how everyone's adapted to them again. But coming back to you, Matt, I mean, I guess last year was obviously very poor from Glasgow. What what does good look like for them this year? Yeah, I mean, finished still finished eighth in the league. I think good would be if they managed to maintain around that level. Um, I think there is a bit of a gap between sort of top four, top six and the rest, but then also towards the bottom of the pile. I, I do think Glasgow is still probably marginally better than your, maybe not Connox, but the, sort of the Zebras, um, Dragons, etc., Cardiff, uh, Ospreys. So I think if they avoid, avoid major injuries um, and you get a bit of a, like a short-term boost from from Smith, I, th- I think eighth place is, is, is a very good outcome and, and maybe a little bit of a Challenge Cup run. Um, and I actually think maybe being in the Challenge Cup might help them a little bit in, in the league in that the intensity is just down a little bit. What about the um, Scottish-Italian Shield? Are you hoping to see that come back to Glasgow or do you think Edinburgh hold on to it? Um, yeah, is that, is that still how they're structuring the league? Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I think so. I don't think it was a joke. Do you think is the Scottish Italian Shield in like the Edinburgh Trophy cabinet? 
Third place. <laughs> next to the 1872 Cup. Yeah, they occasionally take it up to Edinburgh Castle, put it next to the Crown Jewels as like a, as a tourist attraction as well. Very dusty trophy cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both sides of the M8, to be fair. Do, do you agree with that that prognosis, Alan? Is eighth is eighth the sort of the where Glasgow can hope to be this year? Yeah, I think so. I think eighth plus probably like knockouts of Challenge Cup is a pretty sort of fair um, view, and then ultimately try and do better in the knockouts than they did last year. All right. Well, not, we will n- not lose by seventy. Well, not yes, yeah, so lose by <laughs> getting a way draw to Leinster this year and lose by fifty. Yeah, a twenty point increase would be do- would be good. So it'd be interesting to see whether the South African teams. I mean, in theory, yeah. they potentially could be even better. Yeah. <laughs> this this year, you know, a couple of players have. I mean, they were sort of surprisingly strong. I would say last year, given the fact that the final ended up being both South African teams, that potentially only got stronger. It's um, yeah, the URC is becoming a significantly tougher league than it used to be. <laughs> Just basically, like two out of three games was like playing like the Dragons was there yeah. back in the day. Yeah, right. And even when it was like Cheetahs and the Kings, they were both like pretty average, right? Um, just that level, like they, and I think it goes back to that Glasgow depth question. I think even back sort of two, three years ago, that depth wasn't as important just because I think ultimately a lot of the Glasgow second team or the Edinburgh second team could yeah. beat, you know, three or four of the teams in that league. Um, but now just your your average opponent is just of a slightly higher standard that just makes it a bit more difficult, especially when you're going on those like long trips to South Africa. Yeah. As a fan, I can say that I want to see an all South African final played in Qatar <laughs> next year. <laughs> the the U finally the URC are listening to me as the average rugby fan. That's what I want to see. Can't wait. It's gonna be so good. What a product. Um but so that's that's Glasgow. We're putting them in eighth. Um, let's jump back to um, Edinburgh in that case. Just quickly on Glasgow, is there a player that we think like what's is there like a breakout year Mm. for a player in that that Glasgow team? The one that I just feel like he's been talked about basically since we started the pod, but Murphy Walker is I remember when he was like 17 and like destroying school kids um, while also being a school kid. Um, (laughs) Well, he toured with Scott. Did he tour with Scott in the summer? Yeah. Yeah, and he's he sort of 20... Against, I think he played against Chile. Yeah. He's sort of 22, so, you know, kind of getting... You know, for a prop, ultimately, that's, that's not, like, super... That's not, like, late development, right? It's probably relatively early, but it yeah. feels like in terms of, you know, he's been, obviously, out of school now for sort of four four years and sort of building building up to kind of a bit more sort of pro experience kind of last year. So it'd be interesting to see if he can sort of finally make that sort of step up to to pro rugby. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what sort of year Ross Thompson has as well. Yeah. Like, I think Glasgow really need him to kick on this year if they're going to if they're going to do anything. There's also been quite a lot of press around Stafford McDowell in the preseason. Which I think is... He missed all of last season, didn't he? Yeah, he just he hasn't really played. He had that sort of, like, decent breakout season when he was just out of the under-20s and played quite a lot of rugby. It was pretty impressive. And then Came on the really... pod and gave the most boring interview ever. Uh, yeah, sadly so. Um, 
but I think, you know, I, I think if he, he's got all the tools, like to be an international center, I think if he gets a bit of game time under his belt. So be interesting to see how he goes. And I also think Ollie Smith's another one who yeah. you know, had his chances last year, seems to do reasonably well, bit of time with Scotland, big season for him, I think. I think looking from the academy, I think I know Greg, that Gregor Brown guy is really, really well rated. Um, so it'd be interesting mm. to see. I think he's had a couple of fi- a couple of matches in the first team, so it'd be interesting to see if he can kick on as well in the forwards. You guys good to jump across to Edinburgh now? Yep. Let's do it. So no no changes on the certainly at the top of the coaching ticket. Mike Blair's babes roll into their second full campaign in in the URC. Um, players in Sam Skinner joining from the Exeter Chiefs. Um, Wes Goosen from the Hurricanes and Nick Oterak from the Northampton Saints. A guy called Jamie Jack from Ampthill. I have no idea who that is, but this Wikipedia I'm looking at says that he's come in as well. I'm still deeply unclear as to where Ampthill is. Middle England. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> I don't actually know. I think he's a prop. Okay. Well, Jamie, let us know if you're listening. Be good to hear a- from Amptil's you. in Ampthill's in... Hills in Bedfordshire. If that, that helps, help me. I feel like we don't learn about. I don't. You don't really learn about English counties in Scottish schools. Kind I have like, no idea where they are. It's not quite Middle England, to be fair. Anyway, should we move on? Yeah. Um, so those are those are your players in. I mean, um, your major outs. You would say Magnus Bradbury, obviously joining the Bristol Bears. Um, ben Tulis has gone to Japan. Um, and I think we'll come on to talk about him. Nathan Chamberlain down to London, London Scottish, um, with also Moyano and James Johnson, sort of Edinburgh stalwart, um, being released. Matt, I'll come to you just through the lens of that transfer business initially. So how do you think the summer's gone for Edinburgh? I think it's almost like they've done the best business out of anyone in the league, really. Um, I don't think they've lost anyone that they can't replace. I think Bradbury is obviously like the, the highest profile loss, but the Edinburgh pack has just got so much depth that, and, and Bradbury, I think is never like quite found that consistent form at Edinburgh. So I don't think he's that big a loss. Um, bringing Sam Skinner is almost like a straight swap. And we know how high quality an operator he is. Um, Nick Otterack adds nice bit of depth at prop for both, Edinburgh and Scotland and then I think if Wes Goosen I think sadly he's he's picked up an injury so he's out till October but I think if we can get if, if Edinburgh sorry not we um can get him the ball like he's a super exciting signing that I think most other teams in the league would be pretty jealous of so overall I think Mike Blair has done a, a pretty decent job really It's been interesting the the narrative that Rob Bax has been coming out with. He's sort of been saying that it's sort of the first time in his career where Scotland teams have been able to sort of. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Compete for, for England, for against England's kind of premiership size on, on salary. It kind of sounds like Skinner's, you know, not just coming up because he wants to kind of get closer to their SU setup. He's ultimately Edinburgh offered him more money the next <laughs> could which um was interesting to see from sort of a, a rugby finance standpoint kind of in terms of how we can now that, that england salary caps come down i guess how kind of scotland can can compete with um with potentially maybe bringing back certain kind of like top tier players right um but no i think when you look at that bradbury skinner and um, those two options it feels like you bradbury it's a little bit surplus to requirements given to your point that depth across the back row. Obviously, you've got Matter, Richie has played eight, Haining, Crosby, just, and then obviously Muncaster, who's pretty quickly coming through and, and arguably by the end of last season was sort of best performing eight in, in the Edinburgh team. Whereas with someone like Skinner, I think with sort of Toulouse leaving, you've obviously got Gilchrist and Appreciate people like Marshall Sykes, Hodgson, Glenn Young, again, still young and a, a sh- a kind of getting there, but it still feels like bringing someone like Skinner who can give a bit of heft to that lock and then also cover a six. It's just like a super strong signing for that Edinburgh pack. Take a bit short, Hooker. So we've got McAnally, Cherry, McBurney. And then Harrison coming through. Harrison. Yeah. Prime Machine, Harrison. I don't know. I just wonder with the fact that Rambo is just injured so much. And then you've obviously got Cherry McBurney and, and Harrison. I wonder whether he just feels a, a, a little bit light. I haven't really seen McBurney play too much to to see whether he, he can able to sort of like start, start for Edinburgh consistently. I think he's been a decent sort of backup signing, but I wouldn't be like chucking him in as the starter. Yeah. yeah. Is Turner the, still Turner still got the two jersey for Scotland? Stuck on? Yeah, I think so. I wonder if Sing I, I think Singleton could come into the because I think he is able to, to join in the autumn internationals as well. And I, I I wonder it does seem like he's been frozen out of the England setup. I've got his mobile number, should I text him? <laughs> I was trying to get him onto the pod ones to talk yeah. about that exact question. I'll find out. Yeah, and it would be interesting now that, right in. to, to see whether he might be coming across. Because I wonder, just with the fact that McAnally and, and Brown are just, you know, both can both of their fit can still offer a lot, but are clearly both have a, have a lot of injuries. I wonder whether they'll be looking at um, looking at him and trying to sort of bring him up. But I think Turner has to be the starting choice going into the the autumn internationals. I've jumped us away from Edinburgh accidentally there, but. Um... I think so. If you look at Edinburgh's first five, you've got the Dragons, and then you go away on a South African Bulls, Stormers, um, Lions, and then back for Benetton. Arguably quite a, a, a tricky a tricky start, Matt. Coming to you, I mean, is there something to be said that Edinburgh slightly, the, the narrative was always really positive around Edinburgh, but actually their results didn't quite match up to it. And 
maybe this year we will judge them a little bit more, not harshly, but this is a year where if Edinburgh are really going to kick on and become the thing that's been promised, they really need to get out the blocks quickly and, and deliver. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think if you look at their squad now, in terms of both the quality and the depth, it, it should be challenging. And ultimately, in the last couple of seasons, when push has come to shove, they've lost those big games, including you know winnable games at home. Um, so it feels like this is the season where they really need to step up, um, not necessarily win something, but just show that they can win those big pressure games. And I think it's, it's fair enough to, to mark them a little bit more harshly. Have you sketched out uh, an Edinburgh starting 15? I have. Um, How does it, how's it looking? I mean, the thing about it is quite hard to choose because particularly in the pack, there's so much depth. But um, I've sort of gone with Schumann, McAnally, Nell, but you could have you know, De Bruyne in there or Venter also. Yeah. Um, then Gilchrist, other second row partners, kind of a a bit of a toss-up between Hodge and Sykes. Um, Skinner, I suppose, probably is one that comes in there. Then Richie, Watson, Mata. Um, or you can put in Moncaster, Crosby. Um, then in the backs, sort of gone. Felicott, Kinghorn, uh, Dean and Bennett in the centres. Although you could put Lang in there. Um, Graham, Buffelli, Immelman, Goosen. Pick one of the three there. It's good. It's pretty good. It is pretty there's all, good. There's a lot there. Do do we think it all comes down? Do you agree with me that it's, it's just all comes down to that 9, 10, 12? Absolutely. Like it feels like Bennett, Bennett, Goosen, Buffelli, Graham, and then a couple of those, like that's that's all fine. The pack's fine. It's just can that can that 9, 10, 12 axis um operate, especially in those big matches? It feels like you know, especially that Velo- probably that Velocott, Kinghorn, and then Lang slash Dean, they were able to stamp their authority in quite a lot of the matches against maybe some of the lower tier teams. But when it came to some of the the bigger teams in the URC, that sometimes didn't just quite click. And it feels like if they can get that working, the Edinburgh team could really sort of push on and be sort of challenging to 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 be, not only get to the the playoffs, but genuinely sort of I think maybe win the URC. I think the Kinghorn, Kinghorn at 10, I think, I it's, tri- I think, say, I yeah. think it's a trilogy and we've seen part one. This is yeah. part two. It's the big, it's, it's, the, it's the big second act. So is it going to be Godfather two or Jaws two? <laughs> and then part three is him starting in the world cup. I, it's it's oh, amazing to think actually that the sort of the the slight Scottish rugby detox I've had I've not thought about Blair Kinghorn in like a couple in like a month probably <laughs> such a dominant character in the narrative last year I haven't really thought about him and I, but I think for some reason the sort of spectrum of performances in Argentina have in a way answered no questions like oh, anyone yeah. anyone yeah. who had oh. concerns with Kinghorn there was enough there for them to still not think he can he is an answer at 10 and for like the people who support king horn at 10 there was enough there for them to be like he he has it in him to be a great 10 <laughs> just feels that we're gonna get it and it is it is almost a year i think on saturday it's a year to the day to our first world cup match um it does feel a bit strange that we're talking about king horn at 10 still <laughs> 
Can't wait. Line up against South Africa. King Horn and Chris Dean operating the 10-12 axis. I'm like, yes, <laughs> this this is it. Oh, Absolutely. Rod, Rodney Central. I think um I think like Edinburgh did did beat basically most teams last year, um, including going away to South Africa and beating the Sharks. Yeah. It's just it was those crunch games, like you know, losing to Wasps in that Challenge Cup quarter, I yeah. think it was like. I think they're a better team on paper than the Wasps. Wasps aren't that strong. Um, you know, I get losing to the Stormers away, who obviously won it in the end, but I think Edinburgh have shown they can beat most sides. Um, it's just that, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because Scottish players just aren't used to winning those knockout games. So it's part of a bigger issue, but maybe Edinburgh can start doing it a little bit more. Do we think we're going to get anything out of Bill Matter this year? Um, <laughs> look, like, it, it, being on it, he's obviously had a lot of injuries, yeah. and I would say he's come back from injuries, and from an aesthetic perspective, doesn't look in the yeah. greatest shape. P- purely from an aesthetic perspective, he does not look great. Um, but he's you know, he's a wor- he's he is a world class operator on his day, so yeah. I think the signs aren't great. <laughs> But until he's sort of on the on the pitch and sort of um, getting going, I think it's quite quite hard to say. I, if he was firing, then because given the fact that they basically didn't have him at all last year, right? Yeah. Um, and he does offer something that obviously basically no one else yeah. in the URC <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Can, can provide on on his day. So obviously, I really hope he does. But I I think I'm I'm ultimately going into the season sort of with a default option that he's not going to be to sort of top tier matter. Yeah. I feel like Edinburgh's social channels are really pushing that Matt is back. So they're like, yeah, absolutely. Yes, this is going to be huge. And I, I can't trust that. I can't get on board with that. I'm afraid <laughs> I've been hurt, been hurt too many times before. Um, Matt, what, what does good look like for Edinburgh in that case then? So quarterfinals in, both tournaments in the league in uh, yeah. Europe last year. Um, I think if they can go one better in the league, and I, I can't remember who's in their Champions Cup group because the draw was the most confusing thing ever made. I, I hate that draw so much. Oh, but you know, like sh- show themselves to be competitive, and I'm not s- sort of I like to see them put in a good showing in Europe. But I think getting to that semi-final, if not final of the URC would be, you know, ambitious, but I do, I do think they've got the squad to, to do it. And I think they've strengthened really well and hopefully they can, can learn from what happened last year. Alan, you back in Edinburgh for the URC final in Qatar? Well, I, as I, as I think I said, maybe mentioned on, on Twitter, I have, I have laid down a bet. You have. On Edinburgh to, to win the URC mainly just because the odds the odds were so good. I I got fifty to one on Edinburgh to win the URC. Now I don't think they are going to win the URC, but I feel like if you were to run it fifty times, they'd win it at least once, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I I I think there is if they can stay injury free and kind of get a bit of um bit of a run about them, and if and if Kinghorn does does sort of click, I think um 
they could at least definitely be up in the semi-finals and maybe even the final. I, I wonder if the the Champions Cup is uh, it's always a really sort of um, depressing way to look at it. But I wonder if, to a point, the Champions Cup is almost like a bit of a distraction this year for that kind yeah. of teams teams development. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, yeah, they might they might sneak through to sort of the the quarterfinals, but they're obviously not going to be able to sort of push on push on and win. And I I wonder how they'll sort of manage the team. Um, going into the into those sort of matches yeah absolutely and then i guess we talked about glasgow breakout stars anyone in that edinburgh pack that you're liking the look of matt for a little little investment i mean Moncaster, i'd say kind of had a bit of a breakthrough and same with with yeah. connor boyle so um yeah I, I think i think they've sort of made their mark i, I think one that, a nice little sort of like under 23s like scottish rugby back row fund that you could put your money into at the moment <laughs> yeah a little tracker like, fund yeah a little like, track of like your your Moncasters, your dodges your boils your alley millers there's some really nice stuff in there yeah i think patrick harrison the try scoring machine yeah to the to the point that hooker there's there's potentially not a lot of depth and and obviously McAnally has been getting injured quite a lot i wonder if he will get some game time and given the fact he just scores tries for fun at under 20 level um it could be a little bit of a breakout year for him baby face assassin yeah yeah i think um jack blaine's also an interesting one who's never like quite kicked mm. on for edinburgh but played a bit in preseason. i think he went and played in australia in the summer um so maybe that's kind of that'll give him like the the kick on that, that yeah. he needs because i think he's got all the raw attributes yeah, he's an absolute, he is a beast, to be fair to him. Um, so yeah, Edinburgh kicking off their, uh, their uh, campaign against the Dragons next weekend at the Dam. So I imagine that will hopefully be a sellout, which that's kind of a nice thing to, to say. Edinburgh at home, first game, of the, first game of the season. And if they can sell that out, that is a big boost for, for them. I'm um, just Scottish rugby. Do you know something I've been very wrong on? Is on, how important and good the Dam has been? Yeah. I've still not been to the dam. I think when I when it got announced, I was like, that temporary stand next to Murrayfield is going to be so bad. <laughs> and I don't know. It just feels like so many matches have been played in the sun as well. <laughs> Which yeah, I know like what you mean. Yeah. A massive difference. But I, I do think in terms of creating an atmosphere and bringing like an identity yeah. to that Edinburgh team, I do actually think the dam health has been a big part of that. And I think you know, retrospectively, it was 100% sort of the right right decision to make just Mm. playing in Murrayfield just, just sucks the energy <laughs> yeah. out of it. Um, so, no, I think uh, good to see that sort of kicking on for, for year two. I'd like to have a look at Dam Health's um, like financials, though, because surely now that we're not doing as much COVID testing, have they diversified? <laughs> <laughs> good point. I, I want Because they were set up literally like in COVID. Yeah, no. As no, a COVID te- as a rapid COVID testing company, they've probably just made so much cash, mate. The, probably just a cash pile sitting on some yeah. of the, that sweet money from the government. Yeah, fuck. But wow. I I agree that I I can't imagine they're going to roll over their deal when the <laughs> when the current agreement ends, unless we have another pandemic, obviously. Well, let's hope we don't have another pandemic just to keep the damn. Um, <laughs> Damn involved with Edinburgh rugby. Um, 
Right, I think that's everything for the pro teams. Um, we're not going to talk too much Scotland this week because obviously we've got the Autumn Internationals coming up in a couple of months and we will be talking about that lots and lots as we come through. But the women are building up to their Rugby World Cup in just a few weeks' time. Um, obviously a hugely disrupted um, preparation for them with the terrible death of Siobhan Cattigan um, and the subsequent fallout, obviously with allegations of negligence, levelled at the SRU and the medical staff. But, I mean, does that mean that actually their result, whilst they got beaten last week against the USA, a higher-ranking team, was all the more impressive, Matt, in terms of, if you put it into that context, um, how do you think, I mean, how do you sort of um, look at that result against the US last weekend? Yeah, it's pretty impressive, really, I think. Um, I, I also think you look at that Scotland squad now and... Um, it seems as if they've got like a pretty settled spine to things um, and that that's unlikely to change much in the World Cup, leading to the World Cup, which is, is really, really good um, with that sort of, you know, um, Wassel, Malcolm, uh, through to, to Thompson, Nelson, Corey Rowley, et cetera, um, to Rona Lloyd. So I think they're in a pretty, pretty good place. I mean, they've got a, a pretty tough group leading into or going to the World Cup. But I think um, despite obviously the difficult build-up, I think on the pitch, they're pretty much as, as well-placed as they could be. I think with the two point, it is difficult. And obviously New Zealand is the f- first match-up and we'll get into a little bit. But obviously Australia and Wales in the rankings are below the USA and Scotland clearly showed in the match that they can sort of compete with with a team of USA's quality. So I think it sort of gives them a little bit of confidence that, you know, they're not going to be aim, probably aiming to be topping that group, but they should be at least in with a chance of sort of fighting with Australia and Wales for that second place spot. Yeah, and playing against Spain this weekend back at the dam um, for the last time before they head off. You talked about confidence there, Alan. Surely that's them looking to sort of run up a decent score and um, and head off with good vibes to the World Cup. Yeah, although they have had issues with Spain in the past. So, <laughs> um, God damn it. You know, I think even as part of kind of the the World Cup qualifying process, they they beat Spain, but um, they definitely sort of ran them close. So, but I think you're right. I think in terms of if the in terms of that progression of this team through the last sort of couple of years of start, starting to get wins against people sort of like your Wales is in your Ireland's, I think get coming off the back of that quite narrow loss in USA, you'd like to be seeing sort of a couple of score win versus kind of a, t- a team sort of Spain's quality as they sort of, and then kick on to, to New Zealand. I think, I think the hashtag is hashtag road to NZ. That's what, that's what the SOU have gone. Is that with. the official hashtag? Yeah. The official hashtag of the world cup. Um, uh, journey. So, but no, it's, uh, I think I think it's looking good, looking good for them. You've just got me thinking about hashtags. Have <laughs> Glasgow and Edinburgh refreshed the hashtags for this season? Or is what was it, Glasgow what? is still whatever it takes? What were Edinburgh again? United City. No, that was more of like that was more SRU led. Their hashtag always Edinburgh. Sorry, yeah, I didn't. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fine. I can live with it. Yeah, I think they're. I think that's okay. We've got the change this year. It's not the United Rugby Championship. It's the BTK United Rugby Championship. Yes. 
the uh, the old the old tire companies come in for that. Is, is the, that what they are? Yeah, for the um, what must be the most viable sponsorship inventory in in world sport. <laughs> Probably tires for agricultural industrial um, vehicles. So great. So the, the quick piece of news. I was just thinking, Matawalu to Pontypree. Yes. No one saw, no one saw that coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think somebody somebody on Twitter was like, is his wife not Welsh? And I don't have that information. But would that, that would make ah. more sense. I think someone said that he's studying for something down there as well. Oh, interesting. I, um, I, I don't know the geography of Wales particularly well. Where is Pontypree? Let's, let's do another geography question. That'd be good. <laughs> In broadly in South Wales is what I'm going with. Although I think that sort of encompasses 95% of the Welsh population. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we got um, two minutes for a quick quiz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, to sort of celebrate Carl Stain being the new Glasgow Warriors captain, um, I've got in front of me, courtesy of On Top of the Moon, and if you've seen it, um, don't tell me is uh, the 10 Glasgow players that have had the most appearances as skipper. Okay. So go go back and forth between two. Dave, we'll start with you. Al Kellogg. Al Kellogg, number one, 152. 150. Nice. Um, I'll go Wilson. Wilson is number two, 76. Um, Hoggy? No hoggy. No hoggy in the top ten. No. Fine. <laughs> um, Fraser Brown. Oh yeah, that's a good shot. <laughs> no Fraser Brown. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm Scooby then. Um, Rob Harley. Rob Harley, number eight, twenty-two. Only twenty-two for Big Rob. Um. um... What I'd say is you've got four players who are sort of more modern Glasgow and then three that are more of your, I'd say, sort of early 21st century type of players. Okay. I mean, like I a couple Pe- of Petrie? Petrie is number five with 40. Nice. Um, John Barclay? No Barclay, interestingly. Wow. I thought he would have done that. <laughs> yes, it, none, none of the killer bees. None of the killer bees. Grace. Any backs? Pergos? Pergos number 10 with Ooh, 19. That's a good show. So I got, I've now got the five left, I've got four forwards, one back. If you get the back, then you win automatically. <laughs> uh, but the, the back was number four. So, and from a sort of back around sort of turn of the century. I couldn't possibly say who that back is. Um, from, from are they all from Scotland? Uh, four Scottish internationals. One is from New Zealand. Oh, that gives it away. Does it, though? Dave? <laughs> Dan Parks. <laughs> no. I was going to say that actually. <laughs> Oh, got, that was a that was a genuine guess. We've got one hooker. Uh, uh, Gibbons is mine. Yeah, Gibbon, Gibbons. Gibbons oh, is right, there. Of course, thirty six. He was seventh. So we've got one hooker, 
a second row, a number eight, and a scrum half. The second row and the number eight both played in the Pro 12 final. And the other two are from like the turn of the century, the hooker and the scrum half. And it's a it's a free it's an open floor. You've you've already you've <laughs> I already think we won. need to I think we need yeah. to yeah. Cossiter? No. Mm. Second row, still playing for Scotland. <laughs> Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray. <laughs> Remember, oh, no. he was like the whole season as captain. I'll um I'll speed up. N- number eight. Think maybe playing in Israel. Josh Strauss. Strauss. Josh Strauss with 20. Comes really? in at nine. Wow. Yeah. Is um, Andy Nichol the... Andy uh, Nichol in fourth with 56. Uh, mm. And then third place is a, is a hooker from um, that sort of uh, sort of turn of the century. Bruce Douglas. Nope. Nope. Like living legend. Uh, Bullock. Bullock. Ah, uh, of course. Third. So your top three is Kellogg, Wilson and Bullock. It's a strong top three. Yeah. It is a strong top three. There you go. Good quiz. And very Glasgow good quiz. have never, the only the two positions they've never had a captain is loose head prop and tight head prop. Roast. Oh, long, long may it continue. I know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Alan, thanks very much for that quiz. And thank you all for listening. We are back for season seven. Um, so make sure you're following us, subscribe wherever you're finding us and get us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod and look us up on Substack. That's Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. And we're going to get the newsletter going again. Um, here's to another soul destroying Scottish rugby season. Cheers. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.